Hi, my name is Adam, and I've never seen the old Dune movie. Welcome, everyone, to Fine, I'll Watch It, the podcast where we show someone, anyone, a friend, a stranger, a movie they've never seen before that we really think they should have already. Uh, I am joined today, as you heard up top, by Adam, but also by... Johnny. And... Brian. And I am, of course, Bridget. And today we are talking about David Lynch's 1984 film disaster piece... Dune, uh, adaptation of Frank Herbert's 1963... Five, I think. Yeah. Uh, science fiction epic. Adam, know that you're big... I don't mean this derogatorily, uh, but you're a big nerd. You love Star mm-hmm. Wars. You love Marvel. Why not Dune? Um, I don't know. I've never seen it. I've tried to read it. In like, way, we're, a new Dune movie's coming out, so we're starting production on Dune. If you care about Dune, you should try to read Dune. And I did, and I couldn't. <laughs> Do you remember how far you got? Uh, pages. <laughs> and when I say pages, I mean small number of pages. Yeah. Maybe the first chapter. Yeah, the opening, the epic like, graph at the top of the chapter, you said absolutely not. It was one of those Sorry, things where like... I really tried a couple of times. Like, I rented it from the library a couple of times. And I'm not, like, a big reader anyway. I'm one of those people who has to, like, I'll be reading for a little bit, and then I'll stop and go back three pages because I realized I wasn't paying attention while I was reading. So when I started to read this, I kind of was doing that an awful lot. And because it's very heavy with all of the special locations and family names, and there's, like, there's a backstory that isn't there in the first chapter. To where, like, there's no basis for understanding any of it. And it's just like, no. I'm, here's this boy, and we're going to put a put your hand in a box. And if you, if you don't put your hand in a box, we're going to kill you. And if you put your hand in the box and then take your hand out of the box, guess what? We're going to kill you. The only thing you can do is put your hand in a box and leave it in the box for an undetermined amount of time. And the thing in the box may kill you. You don't know, though, because I'm not going to tell you. And I was like, no, I can't. <laughs> I didn't understand. I didn't know any of the planets or how they were pronounced. So in my head, I'm just like a, a tree does, and the house of the, this place and Arakurakurakurus. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I can't. So like with no basis for pronunciations mm-hmm. or backstory, I just couldn't. I couldn't lock in on it. I needed at least like to maybe have seen this movie first. To then be like, okay, I know it's Arrakis, I know it's House Atreides, like, I understand how things are pronounced, and the general kind of flow of it, I understand the dynamic, and I can, and now I'll listen to the story about the hand in a box. <laughs> I can get past... It's my hand in a box! Yeah, I can get past that part of it. So that that was kind of why I never tried to get into it recently, but in terms of why I never saw this back in the day, I don't really know that i knew anybody that had seen it back when we were younger or at the very least like brian when did you first see this i'm jumping the gun a little bit because i want to get a frame of reference i I, I honestly have not i watched this like maybe a year ago the first time 
And uh, I, I'd read the book once before I watched it, and it's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating to see because you will be more confused. I feel after watching. Oh yeah, I don't. I'm, I'll jump the gun. I don't plan to come away with a, a good grasp of the source material with this, just because I. One of the things I know is that it is a train wreck of a movie, and like the director David Lynch, like disavowed it i'm sure a million times and like he doesn't like it he didn't care for it and looking up a little bit earlier i saw that he didn't even like know the book when he started it and just kind of pieced a bunch of things together from a bunch of different places i'm not taking this as gospel of what the book or the source material will be but i feel like had i seen it and uh the reason i was checking brian is because you're obviously a big fan of dune now but back when we would have been like watching movies and like hanging out yeah, exclusively, it, that wasn't a thing where someone's like, "Oh my god, you gotta watch Dune." And like, I it it was like because I I watched every like David Lynch thing, and I just felt like I I would I didn't have to watch this one because it didn't seem to me as like an official like David Lynch movie. No, so yeah, I, I skipped it over. I I just, but but right now, I mean, uh, I guess part of the reason why I kind of showed up here unannounced and, and kind of invited myself in a sense is uh, I am now officially a Dune head. So I wanted to be a part of this uh, because I think this is going to be a fascinating experiment having uh, somebody uh, who doesn't really know much about the story watch this movie <laughs> and see what you can take away from it. Um, I think how the movie stands right now is it's, it's definitely a good companion to the book. I mean, I don't want to give too much away right now it's, it's definitely a good companion to the book and it brings to life a lot of awesome imagery and, and scenes from the book um but for you know a bunch of reasons it's it's kind of a mess one of which is david lynch did not have final cut on the movie like the original cut of the movie was over four hours it was edited down by a team of editors that David Lynch was not a part of. In in an in interview, David Lynch refers to this movie as the great sadness of his life. And he, he's been asked several times to do a director's cut of it, and he just refuses to, to be a part of it. There is a TV edit which adds some of the deleted scenes back in, and on that version specifically, they his name isn't even on the credits. It's what's that like go-to name that they put with directors don't want to be associated with the movie. <laughs> I feel like it's like Alan something. Yeah. Alan Smithy, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, but if, if you're a Lynch fan, there's awesome, like, Lynchian moments in it of just weirdness. And I, I personally love this movie. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan. There's, like, a fan edit that uh, they put all the deleted scenes back in and, like, more like uh explanation of stuff and like reorganize some of the scenes and and digitally put in some things that should have been there and that's about three hours it's actually on youtube um it's it's a really good fan edit but yeah (laughs) that that i've seen more i've watched more times than i i will admit and just watch pieces of it as well but (laughs) johnny how about you what's your relationship to doing the movie Doing the novel. Yeah, this has always would have been in the background conversations of like uh, discussion boards. I back when like IMDb had message boards back in the day, Star Wars, and people sort of talking about you know things have been lifted from Dune. It was it was never like ever, it was always like a crowd of people screaming like, "Hey, this was taken from Dune," or "This was inspired by Dune." There was always like one person mentioning the movie, 
and that would always remind me that it existed. I remember, like, my first real memory of seeing, like, a sequence or a scene of Dune was at, at a bar, actually. They just, like, had it on a screen. It was, like, some hipster wow. bar, like, in Midtown or, like, Brooklyn or whatever. And I that love was, places like that. And they just had it on. You couldn't hear it, but you could see some weird shit going on. <laughs> and there and there were at least three people at the bar, like, super engaged with it and not talking to, like, people that maybe came in like out of town to see them like they were just like <laughs> they just got so enraptured by second. it let me fully turn um, my body away from you and towards the screen but admittedly what uh, what you've sort of been following this adam is like yes i heard there was a production going on with it i heard it was denis villeneuve a director that i've admired for some time now like virtually everything he's done i yeah, think he has a, re- a really uh you know things have been anywhere from like good to like fantastic for me so mm-hmm. I immediately like, okay, he's doing it. I want to pick up the book. I want to follow up and follow up with the casting. Read the book last summer. I'm too am not a big reader. So there's nothing as far as like me and you go, like there's nothing wholly unique about you. It takes like a hundred pages to get yeah. on board with this book. The terminology, everything is super alienating about it. It's it's hard. It's very hard. It's it's homework. It's like taking an AP class. It is. Yeah, and that's how I felt about because like when I do try to read, it's like I'm going to read a handful of pages like in bed before I fall asleep. And I was like, no, I need notes and I need lookups and I need a separate device that from what I'm reading it on to pull up and do Googling. And like, I don't want to do that. I just want to be immersed and I want the book to take me there. But you've put up so many big fences, Frank Herbert, that it's very hard to climb them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I also didn't have a job at the time. So I felt like this could be (laughs) (laughs) some some clock in, lay out in the lawn, my parents' lawn. Did you fill out a timesheet for all the work you did trying to read Dune? I really shouldn't, but it was a lot of hours. And like you too, I do sort of have to like go back and reread stuff, even for stuff that's not nearly on the density scale of this this, uh, this book. I'll do it with comics sometimes. Exactly, yeah. I've just been flipping pages and pulling in the information but like i I should go back and look at that because i feel like a big thing happened and i just kind of glossed over dude with like a three panel comic and like the harford current i'm going back to the first (laughs) panel like what what just happened i don't get it marmaduke takes a couple of read-throughs um but learn to really enjoy the book love the world building it's just incredibly layered and multifaceted and it has all there's just so many things in now i know why people say oh like game of thrones came from this star wars came from this so many other things uh, came from this, and it's wild to sort of like see it adaptate. I, I'm worried. I don't want to jump the gun either. But as far as like this new one coming out, mm-hmm. I fear that people are going to be like, "Oh, they ripped off Star Wars," and no one's gonna. There's not going to be someone in that group of people to say, "Oh, I don't know. This came out in '65." Yeah, no one's gonna say that. So, but oh, people on the internet will nerds. Oh yeah, <laughs> nerds. I, I question the appeal of the the new movie for people that aren't already initiated to dune it's in it's some way it's like, a total instagram like timothy between timothy chalamet and zendaya like they're gonna get young asses in seats for this movie okay. yeah yeah i haven't thought of, and we'll get to it because yeah we gonna, we'll, and we'll get to that one too but we are gonna as, do the new as dune. far as the lynch version once i read the book i was like okay now i want to see the adaptation you don't think of kyle mclaughlin is, is as hot as timothy chalamet they're both smoke shows <laughs> <laughs> uh they're both hunks I, I I watched the movie, and I won't give my opinion right away like Brian did about it, but I have my reservations about it, quite a few of them, but for the time, this was really the only adaptation that anyone really had. Mm-hmm. Sci-fi series did a five-hour adaptation of it, split up in like seven different ways or whatever. Yeah, they covered the first three books of, right. of the six. Um, but what Brian was saying very much, this was sort of like 
like strong arm strong strong arming Lynch into directing this movie mm-hmm. by like via paycheck. And this was probably in between projects that he would much rather work on, but was like, fuck, I'll just I'll take it. He probably I don't know, did he appreciate the Dune beforehand? Or was it the or was like he the book the down, book thrown on his desk and he, he was like reading yeah. you doing it? He turned down Star Wars. Yeah, Return of the Jedi, I read that. I remember yeah, and, I remember reading that. Yeah. Um they were looking for a director for Dune and I they just landed on Lynch. They had cycled through. Dino De Laurentiis had had the rights for the movie right. for mm-hmm. a while, and the rights were going to expire. And so his daughter, I forget what her name is, um, was the one who suggested Lynch. He was like up and coming. He had already done Elephant Man and Eraserhead, um, and she had really pushed for him. He had not read the book. Okay at the time that he was approached and he was very much so he had said that he was drawn to it not so much because of the source material but because it was big budget and it gave him the opportunity to really do a lot with his storytelling and make a lot of like fun choices and i think as time went on those choices he realized were very limited not financially but by what the studio thought would be accessible to right. an audience. Because they wanted Star Wars and he wanted Dune, essentially. Yes, <laughs> yes. And, and Star Wars, for as much as Star Wars and these other like really popular movies and stories like, have taken from Dune, Dune is very much, I would say... Is grad school and Star Wars is elementary school. Yeah. Quite, quite honestly, like, it's very elementary. And that's why Lynch was, like, not attracted to doing Star Wars. Mm-hmm. When he had heard there's, like, an adult version of Star Wars, he's like, okay, I'm more interested in that. Yeah, and that's what people who... And I love work... Star Wars. I don't mean to oh, fucking yeah. shit on it, but... No, it's, it's completely different. And it's, I think, has an underlying message that is diametrically opposed to most... Star Wars, superhero, like, big tentful, tentpole, mm-hmm. I hate to say the word properties, but that's that's what, yeah. the way we sort of talk about our Marvels and our Star Wars. Yeah, they're IP. Yeah. yeah. Today. Now, what about you, Bridget? I don't mean to cut you off. Oh, no. So, I, I read the book a couple years ago and was enthralled. I read it in, like, a single day. Maniac. <laughs> I just like just dropped everything I was doing and and hopped on a ship to Arrakis and didn't read the sequels for a while. I at first said like Dune was so perfect, I don't even want to touch it. And then I started getting into the sequels and now I'm like fully in the Dune universe obsessed and watched this a couple months ago with Brian for the first time and that's all I'll say for now. But I remember someone, my aunt's ex-boyfriend gave this movie to my stepfather for Christmas one year when I was in like middle school um, because my stepfather's a big Sting fan. Mm. So that was really my first introduction to the Dune universe. Do you know Sting is in this movie? Yes, I did. Okay. Yeah, I knew Kyle MacLachlan and I knew Sting and I think De Laurentiis' daughter is in it too. Uh, just based on when I was looking up some of the okay. backstory of like production and stuff like that earlier, and I forget there were some other people whose like names or faces I recognize, but I there's off the top gonna, of my head, there's going to be a few, yeah, yeah, off yeah. the top of my head, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I know Lynch is directing. 
honestly, I'm not really a big fan of his movies. Again, they're more cerebral and like we've talked about how I'm more surface level fun popcorn flicks. Yeah. And he's very much a filmmaker. Um, <laughs> yeah. So like I've seen him and like I get the appeal. Uh, some of the stuff I think is just weird for the sake of weird. And it's like, a, it's not a good stylistic choice. You just did what would subvert expectations the most and boom, there it is. It's like, yeah. okay, I appreciate that, I guess. And there are people that obviously that love it, but he's just never been a, a filmmaker that I particularly liked. Same. Um, so I don't, I don't have the highest of hopes for this. Um, one, the other thing I do know about this is there's big worms, big sandworms, uh, desert planets and sandworms. Uh, I expect those will probably look real janky in 1984 special effects. But yeah, I I know that it's a troubled production and a troubled response. And I did see that it had like a budget of 40 million and made 38. So it bombed hard. I, I don't even think this is one of those things that picked up a ton of steam as like a cult hit. It's just one of those like, this is the only Dune ad- adaptation we have. So we might as well be okay with it <laughs> i'm interested cause I, as of right now what what your understanding of the plot of dune is and, and i want to see what what you arrive at after watching this well so what so you you mentioned that you know that there are worms and and i think a lot of it this will also be colored by the fact that i've seen the trailers and the promo material for the new one so like i know there's some kind of war or civil war or empire and there's, you know, like the line in the trailer is like, I got to bring peace to Arrakis and we're going to do it. So like, I know that there's some kind of, you know, intergalactic thing going on and some big overlord is trying to do something and it's going to go sideways for our <laughs> heroes, um, you know, to standard kind of sci-fi stuff. Yeah. So uh, I'll be interested to know how much from that material is represented in this or if it's just kind of like, this is a hodgepodge and all you know is the three minutes of new movie footage you've seen <laughs> beyond put your hand in a box or I'll stab your neck. Cause that's how far I got in the book. Right. <laughs> so I'm interested to see it. Like I want to see it going in. Part of me was kind of like, I'd rather just watch the one that I anticipate to be good rather than the one I know everyone's. Oh, sucks. this one is good. <laughs> no, I think it's, I'm glad that you like that because every I other thing I've movie. heard is it's bad. And these two both stopped it. And that's all I'll say for no, now. <laughs> I, I, no, I, when I watched it for the first time, I, I got up and I said, I loved that. Okay. And I mean that. I, I honestly love too. this movie. Okay. The, the original cut, you know, it's it's got some issues. But I think as a whole and as a companion to the book, it's really good. And like, it, there's a lot of heart and soul in this movie. It's okay. got like, it's got like that, uh, like a <laughs> kind of like rough and tumble 80s edge to it with the, you know, like with the actors people are kind of look a little tired and beat up a little bit like there's, there's not a lot of prettiness to it the, the art direction's amazing we're getting we're yeah, getting, yeah, we're getting, getting yeah, there yeah maybe we'll call what he just said and put it in the <laughs> <laughs> um no i i will say there it's there a are fun i'm really I'm, we're like gonna have fun it. i'm really looking forward to this i think <laughs> i think you'll i anticipate you having more fun than you're anticipating right now i also do not believe you're gonna be like oh, i'm adding dune to the list i'm watching it every <laughs> every halloween it's now. not getting put in the wheelhouse it's not in the wheelhouse but i think that you will find things to enjoy about it huh. i would never intentionally bring a terrible movie i would accidentally do it like yeah. net yeah but i would never intentionally bring a terrible film yeah i don't necessarily and like i'm not a person who like 
overtly hates a lot of things, even the worst things I've seen. I can usually always pull out some stuff, either a performance or a visual style or something to where I'm like, that wasn't a complete waste and I hate all of you. So I don't think that's going to be the case here because I also kind of think because it's an early 80s movie or a mid 80s movie that it will probably have some things that are unintentionally funny and stuff that looks so wonky and silly that it just kind of makes me chuckle. Like I'm anticipating a lot of that, but not too high a bar is there to clear for this, I don't think. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited. Like Brian said, quite an experiment because we have all read the book before watching this, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people would say it's a prerequisite. <laughs> yeah, the but fact that you're it, calling uh, a companion. More yeah, than an so I, I I anticipate a lot of questions from you afterwards, and the I'm sure we'll try to answer all of them between our expertise on it. See, that's the thing. I almost won't want too many questions answered because I want to hope that the next movie we do next week of New Dune would. Uh, hopefully answer some of those in a more concise pattern. Well, I mean, just just so, just so you know, and I'm sure you possibly know this already, is that this movie covers the entire book, This, one, while yes. the other adaptations mm-hmm. smartly broke it up. Yeah, I did know that. Okay. Because so, yeah. this is also one of those things where I feel like I've heard it thrown around, as is with some properties, where like, this is unfilmable. It's an unfilmable book. There's no way you could condense it down to two hours and make it a book. And there's also not a good break point to make it two movies or three movies so it's unfilmed but you can't do it you know they said that for yeah but I mean, it even goes beyond and... like the density and the length of the book there's a certain way and we won't get into it how the story is told mm-hmm. between different people talking about the story or narrating the story mm-hmm. that has been more or less the point where people like you can't adapt this yeah like how are people going to follow this in a in this medium but again we'll we'll get to that discussion but yeah so i'm i'm not in expecting to be blown away necessarily yeah. but hoping to pull some fun or excitement out of it well, see, you, you might surprise us with how much you you, you pick up a yeah i mean like i like sci-fi i never i don't necessarily seek it out it's really just star wars that connects a lot of the other sci-fi franchises i'm just like that's fine like i'll see a star trek but i don't care the way yeah. i do about a star wars or i'll go see valerian and the all, all of them planets but like i don't yeah it's yeah. fine you know like i don't i don't care so much about the the other sci-fi franchises beyond that but i like space epics and fights and battles and giant creatures so maybe i'll really enjoy the worms all right who knows well here's hoping you don't sell your ticket for the new next <laughs> week or give it away by any chance because of this but well adam what do you have to say for yourself fine i'll watch it
back, everyone. We have just finished David Lynch's Dune. Adam, how do you feel? Do you feel like you have a better or a worse understanding of Dune? Um, I feel like I have the same understanding of Dune <laughs> in that um, I knew it was about spice and emperors and war and that's all I picked up from it. It's fine. It's very quick, but also very slow. And absolutely nothing is explained at all no. in the entire movie. And I feel like this is a really good start. Like I like I mean I like the premise a lot. Okay. I like the overall shell of the movie, but the movie itself is not good. Like no. There's good parts to it. Not a good narrative. Yeah, because so much, and I this very much, you can tell, is a cutting room floor movie in that things just kind of happen and they like cut to characters for a split second and then they're never heard from or seen from again until like the very ending scene. And nothing's explained where they go. Nothing explains why it happened. They just exit stage left and we got to guess. Like none of it, none of the... And I don't know how much of this is the the movie itself, but like none of the weirdness is explained in any way. I don't know what that weird farting pig thing is mm. that like makes you travel through time and space. Like I don't know what that thing is. <laughs> well, I mean, wait a minute. Well, hold on. Wait, hold on. Yeah. So <laughs> before I sort of as we go into this discussion, I was thinking this as we were watching the movie of like, oh no, maybe this is spoiling it for Adam. So Adam. If you have questions, like, we're happy to answer them. But if you also want to stay in the dark until we get to the new movie, we can also do that. Yeah, I kind of... And control ourselves of wanting to explain things. Because I can feel myself wanting to do that, but I don't want to ruin your next movie-going experience by front-loading you with a lot of information. Yeah, see, that's going to be hard because part of me, again, wants to have the similar experience of not knowing anything going in, but... I have At so many questions. At the same time, you're like, no, what's that dude? Dude, no, dude, you're on the right track. Hit reset, dude. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that having some things explained to you will only enhance your 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 viewing of the what we assume is a better adaptation that is coming out in a couple of weeks. Well, yeah, and, and I, we're not. I don't want to get too far ahead of like our thoughts on that one because we'll save that as because that will be our next episode. Spoilers alert! But. I don't necessarily think that that'll be better, but I just think because I know the structure of that one in that it is supposed to be two, I feel like a lot more stuff will get fleshed out. So I I almost want to give that movie the opportunity to do its own legwork and do its own research for me. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I have so, so many questions. Well, I... I, and I'd love to answer them, and I think it's important to maybe unlearn. <laughs> he wants to he wants to ward the hundreds of hours. No, it's, I think it's important I to can't. unlearn some of the because th the the David Lynch Dune does a good job kind of bringing to life some of the the scenes and concepts, mm -hmm. but it also severely abbreviates them and yeah. and truncates it and and simplifies it and. Almost it, it portrays it like incorrectly in some senses. So I th I think like setting the stage correctly and or setting the record straight on a couple things that are just straight up presented incorrectly, it may be in order. Just just so you're not because you may be even more confused because we're assuming the new adaptation may be more accurate and not. 
Well, here's the thing. Adam doesn't have a reference point for what he's confused by. And yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I'm not confused because it doesn't match the source material. I'm confused because they're like, here's a pig <laughs> with, with like a vagina mouth that also could be its butt. And it's here and it's talking to the emperor. And there's these guys like squeegeeing around it for some reason. Uh, and then he's like kill that kid yeah. and the emperor's like all right cool we're gonna See, kill the kid you pick and choose what you think you yeah. want to know about otherwise let's not yeah. get off the tracks and fill him with more stuff that he's not asking for i almost don't like i almost think take most of your book knowledge and we'll save that for yeah. next i episode. think we should talk about the movie yes. the entertainment value of this yes. for you mm-hmm. and then once we see both of them we can do like the deep dive Barnes yeah. Noble yeah. <laughs> book I'll let, I promise you, Brian, I will let you give me the Cliff Notes version of Dune in whatever length that you feel is necessary. <laughs> oh, no. I don't want to take that away from you because I, I too appreciate knowing way too much about a thing and wanting to share it. Oh, yeah. No, so I'm going to say a lot of things of like, this doesn't make sense. This is silly. This is ridiculous. And because that's what but, it is but, yeah, again, if, but again use your own discretion if you actually do want a detail that's opaque in any way yeah we'll clear it up for you but we'll do it with restraint and even move to explain on to the next thing. in the context of what the movie is trying to say not to like say yeah like the fact that you have the knowledge of the fan edit will be good because that'll give me a lot of what this movie wanted to convey but didn't have time for and it got cut yeah so that kind of stuff there. But I, I feel like a lot of my questions will be like, is this explained in any way in source material that I could expect? And you guys could be like, no, it's not. Like, okay, is, yeah, there, we can do is that. there an explanation yeah. Yeah, for why fine. Baron Harkey's got all the fucked up face? That's not a thing. I mean, it is a thing. It's very sick, fucked up. Sick, disgusting man. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> with his diseases. That need, he's that he's need described as grotesque eye. in yeah. the book. Okay. So, I mean, so there's not like just, a reason for you. They just like took a... liberties, whether the size was grotesque or his face was just... So they just did everything. They just decided to make him look like gotcha. the garbage pail kid yeah. grown up. Yeah. And <laughs> That's exactly have him live yeah, yeah. in like just a, terror, like a house of horrors, a planet of horrors, yeah. upside down cow. That you just rip its flesh off yeah, and just take a bite when you're ready. Immediate jerky, yeah. yeah Mouse Capri Sun. That's oh, right. I wanted to say Pacific Sun so bad when that I was, saw that. That was funny. Arrakis Sun. I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ultimately, it's uh, it's just it's just a mess of a movie. And I think that's, again, part of the reason is because of the editing. Like, so much of this for me is just completely rushed, where, like, the whole heart. Harkonnens, Harkonnens come and blow up the shield and take kill all of House Atreides, basically, is just so quick and so abrupt, and the explosions are wonky, and then it's just like, okay, now Paul's in the desert, and that's fun. So it's yeah. like, oh, okay, we just we just completely glossed over, I'm sure, very important things, and the death of the father figure of the main character was almost like a snap, and it's over. So a lot of that kind of stuff, I think, ruins it, but overall, the concept and the idea... It's very intriguing, and it puts into light some of those things I talked about where I couldn't read the book of, I don't know how things are pronounced, I don't get a sense of what this world is, I don't understand the dynamic between box boy and girl holding the box, like, none of it made sense to me, and so, like, I, it washed over me and I couldn't... <laughs> Make him sound like a warehouse clerk or something. And I, I couldn't get past that. So this helps kind of put the whole story into context yeah. as like an outline, and I like it for that. Um, and I think some of the, you know, sci-fi concepts are cool. The worms are fun. 
there's super wonky visual effects, which I'll, we'll get to at some point. Um, but overall, it, it's fine. I don't think I would watch this ever again, but, you know, I'm glad that we did because it kind of put the whole thing into perspective a little yeah. bit. I promise you I will take nothing from this when we go see the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what about you guys? Now, you guys had all only seen this once outside of Brian and his many, many fan edit viewings? Yeah, I've seen it, like, once completely, okay. yeah. What do you think this time? It, it, the movie makes me tired. Mm. Yeah. I, it just, it's, I don't know, what, for me, it's, there's good music in this movie, and I hate, and as we talked before about music taking you by the hand and telling you, hey, be scared of this, be thrilled by this, be sad by this. Mm -hmm. There are just long stretches of this movie where there's no music or anything, and it's just, like, just or dry and stage-like, and it's not, there's opportunities to make what's happening on screen, camera movements and musical cues mm -hmm. that make it more thrilling to go want to see the next sequence, see the next sequence. It just becomes very, as you dry, but it's just, yeah, it just, everything feels very... Arrakis-esque. Uh, Arrakis-esque. <laughs> All the performances are really stiff in this for me. Mm -hmm. There's people who are actually trying to do good. I think, like, the Baron is just over the top, but mm -hmm. that's a case of someone not coming off as stiff, just someone just... Overly acting and yeah. doing mind. something. Yeah, every Harkonnen is like that because even Brad Dorif is just like at a fifteen when yeah. everyone else is at like a six. Right, and I'm just like, dude, you gotta calm down. You are not matching the scene. You're not pulling it to, in the right direction. Yeah, I don't want to go uphill to to meet you. I need you to come down to meet me. We can do a nine. Right, you know, we can split the difference, but I need you to calm the fuck down. Oh, see, I could, I would go up the hill personally, <laughs> but that's a personal choice yeah i i enjoy that it takes the bold moves of attacking the weird of this movie mm -hmm. and not glossing over that which would have been just completely stupid but i'm glad they tackle the like you said the weird thing the the pig the flying pig yeah. as you described glad they threw it in there you know a, another director would have been like that's fucking weird no one's gonna like that we gotta yeah. take it out of here we'll have to explain the yeah. pig and the way it folds time through its butt so right. like we should <laughs> we should cut this <laughs> Because if we don't explain this, we're going to lose the audience. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting that that's included in the movie. It's really like a plot device in a sense to kind of help describe the story. But like that specific being isn't something that's introduced to like far like in like subsequent books oh, really? as well. Yeah. So th there's there's definitely like they're grabbing things from the Dooniverse. And pulling it into this to, to help explain stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as, like, performances go, like, it, when, when I'm, like, reading through the books, I think that, like, the Baron is just a, a terrible. Like, it's just not, you know, it, it, what he should be at all. He's not, like, a big buffoon with pimples. But as far as, like, uh, uh, Gurney Howlett goes, Captain Picard there, to, to me, I feel that's spot on. I think just, he just kills it. He just kills it. Um, and I think, I think, I think the MVP goes to, uh, Piter, uh, the, the, well, yeah, that's like, that's like spot on casting. Cause he's just supposed uh, to be a the weird oh mangly God. person. Who is this? Uh, he's Brad Dourif. Oh, yeah, Brad Dourif, the, the oh, mentat yeah. for yeah. the Harkonnens. But yeah, I mean, the, some of the casting's good in it. It just, I, I don't know, they really don't do a lot with it. And me personally, and this is a big thing for a lot of people that are like Dune heads, they like different fan art, different interpretations as far as aesthetics go. Yeah. A lot of people vary differently in what they like. Is They like more of like a simplistic one or more completely over the top. Like 
when you see Jaredowski's Dune documentary, like that is like cranked to eleven, mm-hmm. weird, colorful, ridiculous. I just don't like the aesthetic of this movie. I don't like all the gold and all the it just like everything is just looks weird. Everything looks like just like spray like fences, like iron fences. It's just like a weird, uh, ornate it's aesthetic to this that I don't dark like. Too all the scenes like Caladan does not look that different from Arrakis in some ways. Yeah, Caladan looks kind of spooky, and it, you don't it's really just imagine it's, it. They're the same planet, but one is water and one is yeah. desert. Yeah. At least in this movie, mm-hmm. that's the sense I got. Is that like all the planets are the same except one is a dungeon. And that's where the Harkonnens live. One is water and one yeah. is sand. And like that's, but yeah, I'll touch on all... one more thing to talk before I toss it over to Bridget. But like the one thing that like the biggest thing I don't like about this movie is they brush over one of the biggest parts of the book, which is ecology, which is like the importance of the water and like how like there's again, I don't, I don't want to cover too. There's other scenes that are taken out that really cover this really well. Particularly with uh, Leah Kine's character, mm-hmm. who really sells the importance of like how valuable water is on, on Arrakis. Well, I mean, and, it's a desert planet. I kind of get the importance without it being spelled. I'm sure there's more to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but that the, part didn't. It beca- do it's a little more like the stakes of like having water and like the value drop, of it, or, or yeah. yeah, even a drop is just like insanely valuable. So I feel like that's a, it's a huge theme in the book that's completely brushed over in this, as well as a lot of other things. But I don't know, Bridget. Um, so I, I totally get what you mean by this movie makes me sleepy because there are stretches of it where all you're getting is exposition and not, it's not even clear exposition. It's not clear exposition (laughs) and it's not, you're just seeing the things happen, but you're never really seeing the moments that move things that shift things. Like you get a couple of them. The hand in the box scene I actually really like a lot because I like the woman who plays the Reverend Mother. I think she does a very good job walking this line of creepy and inviting and the relationship with Jessica. I think with very little interaction, you can get a sense of, you know, who these people are, their history, the tension between the two of them. But the voiceover is brutal oh, the narrator just being like and here's other story elements that you need to know, you know before we go on to this yes like thank you virginia madsen but are you saying the narration or the voice the i'm talking about the both yeah. of you have, you've got the narration like the virginia madsen yeah, 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 yeah but then you also have the characters you know their internal monologue you know which in the book it you you have this omniscient narrator you can kind of pull in character's thoughts and that's communicated to the reader because they're reading their thoughts you know yeah in a movie you have to be more creative and thoughtful about how you're conveying someone's inner thoughts someone's emotions whether that's the way you stage you light you have an actor change their face what have you and this movie decides we will just put a voiceover of their thoughts yeah because that was one of my other questions was is the internal narration a like a superpower that they have because they also have that like I'm using the voice <laughs> which like again it's, it's like it's nothing like, there to explain well, that well the, the voice is like it's kind of like proto like the force yeah know? I could tell it was like a mind control thing because yeah. when the reverend mother first uses it it's to Paul to bring him in to the box and he's just like now She's like, wow, he's strong. Let me use the voice extra hard. And he's like, all right, I'll come to the box. I'm sorry. But like the way they use it and they're they're like looking right at a character and being like, 
he sees the real truth. And I'm like, okay, does does that person hear you? Like, I half expected one character to no. be like, who said that? Who sees that? <laughs> it's part of the unadaptable nature of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, every character has internal monologues. It's actually, like, stylized in the book in italics. In italics, Anytime yeah. a, 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 a character, you know, has a thought or anything, which is, like, when you're reading the book, like, anytime you see italics in there, it's like, it's like an oasis of, like, oh, my God, now I'm going to get a clue to actually what's going on as, as things get dense and everything. Because... Like the internal thoughts are like crucial to kind of understanding people's intention and like what's going on too. So see, I think I missed that even reading it because I'm sure in those pages I read there's internal monologue and I was just like, I don't get why these are italicized. But you're like, I've already gotten too many scary words. Now we got italics, and I don't know what you're trying. Well, I'm like, and I don't know what you're trying to emphasize. They cast it again. Is this a power that they have? Is Mm -hmm. this like you can't like? How do they convey? when you're a reader, the difference between regular voice and the voice with the internal, is it like a different kind of italicized? Is it underlined? Like, um, typesetting wise, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you, but you just know when you see it kind of thing. You just know it. And then you'll have, or you have another character reacting like the voice, you know, like, <laughs> so, like and yeah, then okay. doing whatever the voice is okay. telling them to do. Yeah, so. there's also a glossary at the back of most editions too. It's which is quite long, but anytime you hit one of those words that doesn't make sense, you can flip to it. I almost brought the book so you can have it for the movie because <laughs> we'll they throw the out these time. terms, yeah. especially in in the Lynch version. They throw out the terms and you can't get them with context clues. Some of them. Oh just... no! And I once they started throwing things around, like I think in the very opening, like all right, here we're going to give you all the backstory, like. Here it is. We're just going to lay it all out here. It's very Dr. Seuss. Yeah. Yeah. So much of this is Dr. Seuss. I'll get to that. <laughs> all of the eyebrows are Dr. Seuss. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> true. Those are the Mentats. They are described... Thufir was described as having bushy eyebrows in the uh, in the book, so... Yeah. That was very Whoville. So was the machine they all sit on at the end for some oh, reason. That, awesome. that looks... That's right out of... It's like it's going to toot horns and blow... You know, whatever Seuss <laughs> word you want to throw at it. Does it show where the Emperor is like looking at the screen trying oh. to shoot? He looks so tired. Like, that's me today. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they were bad. I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. But yeah, no, I was very confused by all the internal monologues because really the only people that kind of had them were the, um, whatever, the, the bald headed ladies and Paul, like the ones the better with. Gestures, yeah. yeah, the ones with powers. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, is this some kind of form oh, of that power? Yeah. Oh, no, no, it's just them talking to themselves because no one else really does it, I don't think. Leah Keynes does it in the in the ship. Who is that? He is the guy who takes them out to the mining. Yes, okay. We're going to have to do a lot of actors' names here. <laughs> yeah. I remember Paul and Paul and Baron <laughs> and you Emperor. You Paul's like four other names too? You don't remember Fade Ratha? Oh, Fade. You don't remember Rama? Hadashah, Emperor Shaddam the Fourth? No, <laughs> Ra- Rama, the Rama, the, the Reverend Mother uh, Ramalo. Uh, no, um, who was never game with name was never given in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> I remembered Paul's other names, like whenever they said them, and then now they're just gone. Yeah, he he has he about sold? five different names. Yeah, Moadib. Moadib. Yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, Mahdib. Lisa Malgaib. Yeah, is another one. I don't even know if that one's used once in the movie. Is it? They, it may have been. I don't Maybe know. by Usul they use a lot. Usul yeah. they use. We'll call yeah. you Usul. <laughs> Tell me about your yeah. homeworld, Usul. Yeah, that whole part was weird because they're just like complete strangers show up, and they're like, 
okay, we're gonna we're gonna kill your mom, and like you can live with us, <laughs> yeah. I guess. And then yeah. the mom like does a throat pinch, and he's like, oh, never mind. You're the strongest person in the whole universe. Teaches your ways. Uh, your son's the king now because see we. That's one of my favorite exchanges where he's like, "Can I be Paul Moa Dip?" And he goes, "You are Paul Moa Dip." <laughs> <laughs> I just love it. Just so awesome. If you guys ever seen Twin Peaks, he's a great takeaway from Dune is the the relationship between Kyle MacLachlan and David Lynch, which extends into some amazing films, Blue Velvet, Twin Peaks as well, and also who who plays Stilgar is a big character in Twin Peaks as well. And and it's it's probably the best takeaway is that he had built these relationships with some of these actors that that crush it in future Lynch things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely a lot of crazy terminology that they just kind of throw out there. Yeah, like once they explained the whole concept of like the chosen one and used whatever name that he is, which I already again forgot. I was like, what the no the like the Quizette Hatterack that oh. one. The quiz master happening. <laughs> uh, once they said that, I was like, oh, cool. There's going to be a bunch of these, and you'll tell me when one of those is important, and I forgot all of them. Like, I'm not even going to worry about it, because if I tried to get bogged down with all of the lore, world-building minutia, it was my brain was going to explode, and there's no way. Like, my first note was like, I'm out. Like, during the <laughs> the whole narration, because I was like, I can't, I can't even try to, like, spell it. Well, not even spell it, but like I can't piece it together because if I start to think about what those like terms that they're making up are and how it may impact and like start to try to like jump ahead the way you would in a regular movie that is set on Earth in the 21st century, you'd be I'd be like, no, I can't like I can't process it. I can't think about this person could be the the hat rack. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> Dude, for, for, yeah, for so much like uh, like uh, effort put into the names and terminology, it's like not important. That's the, the thing, and that's what I learned story at all. Yeah, and that's what I learned very quickly was that like if I if I even try to put this into perspective, I'm lost. I will be lost forever because I'll just be trying to remember names, places. And things that they told me in passing as exposition, and I'll fr- I'll miss everything going on like in the film itself. So like, thankfully, very quickly, I just went. You know what? I'm not even going to try to understand the backstory yeah. or the lore. I'm just going to let it play out. And I think I was better for it because otherwise, I would have got bogged down with all of the world building that is in here, but completely glossed over. Yeah, which makes it tough to kind of like jump in head first into the deep end of dune to be like all right cool i'm in it now like i love this and i love this like guy. i said earlier i think after 100 pages 200 pages like the repetition of hearing mm-hmm. terminology so often and used in different uh phrases and sentences like really like you finally start picking up on what is what but it's so hard to get through yeah, yeah. i mean even even as someone who like has a pretty solid understanding of the story and the lore like i in watching the movie like i in seeing it from like in the eyes of someone who who hasn't really read the books or anything, I, the movie does not give you enough information to piece together a cohesive story or it's time like, to digest it in any like yeah yeah it doesn't like give you enough. I mean, and that's probably true because obviously you guys have knowledge of the source material that I don't. But in just basic general terms, the story is very sci-fi. Yeah, like it's very yeah. basic. Well, Planet has resource. Universe wants resource. 
corrupt people do corrupt things yeah. to gain resource. Mm-hmm. Freedom Fighter saves people with resource. Yeah. Like that it's, is, it's, it's well, this movie is so simplified, but there's so many other like things at play. Oh, and I'm sure to, and there always is, yeah. but from a movie going perspective and a you know a stab at a two hour version of a thing that should be a yeah. seven part mini series that's each an hour and a half long. Yeah, they're going to cut some stuff, but like as a baseline story, I again I get the outline. Yeah. I like the outline because it is basic enough to hop and right in, assuming you disregard everything yeah. else. Right. Well, because ultimately it's it's a Joseph Campbell, you know, hero's journey. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're going through those basic steps, and that's something that if you've seen a movie, read a book, mm-hmm. you're familiar with. You're yeah. familiar with the basic ingredients, so. The movie is has elements of that, but that sort of approach is the same way I would recommend if you were going to revisit the book. You have to just kind of power through in the same way. If, like, Gom Jabbar, yeah. Benny Gesserit, the words essentially, like, don't mean anything. anything. Mm-hmm. It's not relevant. Like, what are what are the pieces that I do understand? Yeah. And, like, eventually you'll, you'll get there. So in that way... This film is a very true adaptation in that it does not do a good job of explaining things, but there's not enough fat in any kind of direction for you to kind of glean much more information. I mean, even the spice itself is really only mentioned in terms of what, uh, in terms of its importance in the overview at the very beginning. Like at no point is the emperor like, we need to do this for X, Y, and Z, or the people who run the space pig who are just keep telling the emperor to shut up. <laughs> they're like, they're like, we're the guild. Okay. I don't know what that is and why you're important. Why do you have more sway than the emperor? Like the emperor should be the most important part. Why is he kowtowing to the, the guild that own the space pig? Again, that's probably explained at some point, like you said, in future books. Well, but- I mean, well, the the I know you guys don't want yeah, to go too yeah, much. Just, the, the, the try guild, to control yourself. Try the, to hold it in. The, <laughs> the guild is the most uh, uh, important. Da, da, just try to I, I, try to hold it in. Well, they <laughs> they, <laughs> they, the fuck they control. <laughs> but see, that's the thing. All right, so they're they're the most important thing, and I get yeah. that. But I don't know. There's no reference to why, and I feel like you need something. To explain to the layman who's not a Dune head or part of the Duneverse why the Emperor, which you would think, given every concept you know about Emperors, is the tippy top of the power struggle thing. And like, yes, there are people at the tippy top who then, you know, get in line with like the mob and different things. And that can be kind of thrown off. But like, give me that sense a little bit of like, okay, they're basically like the mob and here's why. Like show them doing anything other than bringing in the space pig <laughs> and squeegeeing the floor from the slime. <laughs> it's it's, it's, it's kind of hidden in there, but yeah. But the, the thing is like that, like to explain that would take like 15 oh, seconds of screen time. Like, like maybe 30 seconds, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. What that is. And they they drop it on the cutting room floor and they decided everything else that has that little 30 second detail is also on the floor too. Yeah, and Whatever, that's, there's nothing that has that, like you said, the minutia or yeah. whatever. Cut the around hovering, it. cut the hovering needle, and tell me what it's the all pig is surface. About. It's all surface <laughs> level stuff. Let's what, how can we skate to the next thing as fast as we can? Yeah, and leave all like really yeah, cool, they, interesting stuff on the floor. They're trying to hit all these big story beats, and there's so many. They're just kind of rapid fire. Yeah, like the last like 
hour well the first like hour in the movie i think is is it's pretty true to the book and pretty good but like once once they get to once they go once they like get to arachis and like the and they they when paul and jessica like the editing switches into a crazy it just it goes into hyperspeed it almost felt like it was a movie created by a bunch of you know how they do this every once in a while with older movies where they're like we're putting out a call to every creative type in the world pick a scene and make it in your own format and then we'll smash it all together to make star wars or whatever else this felt like that where it's like okay your favorite book your favorite scene from the book go film it and then we're just gonna smash it all together with the craziest wipes and transitions you've ever seen you know like the wall explodes and in paper mache and it just it, it feels like a tv edit too it's like almost they took like a three-hour movie and they're like we gotta fill it in a two-hour time yeah slot on usa network or something like that like yeah something. i mean it's basically what happened yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's way worse off for it because again the template's there but it's just yeah like i want a little bit more and some of the other stuff like i don't i don't need to see it necessarily like Again, get rid of the floating needle. It doesn't do anything for Which me. Wood floating needle. Where yeah, Paul has to like stand the still, seeker. and he's oh. like, I can't, I can't well, see, move. This is the whole so deep thing. Brian is into doing. He's like, what needle thing? Yeah. Oh, the hunter seeker. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, we're going so... to call things whatever they reflect Correct. to me. They speak, yeah, that speaks to the pacing because, like, that scene is is good. It's like you know, it shows tension. It's got you know, but but they don't. They spend like five minutes on that scene, but they'll spend like. Like a whole a minute on with Jessica do, having the spikes agony, which is like a huge thing, and like they bring in the old Reverend Mother, and she's just like already, it's like okay, it, it she dies immediately, and then Jessica drinks the water of life, and like that whole sweet sequence is like two minutes, and it's just like they rush in and out that huge story beat there. Where, yeah, that's really important, the, like a passing of the torch from. Uh, yeah, it's huge and. But, like, earlier in the film, they spend five minutes on, you know, the hunter-seeker scene. Well, know? and, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it probably means more, but speaking of that scene, I don't need all of the principal from Kindergarten Cop running around telling me there's traitors when, like, every other character is telling me there's a traitor. And then immediately the traitor's like, I'm the traitor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I, I'm i sure, again, it's a more drawn-out sequence. It probably makes a lot more sense in the fan edit or in the script phase or in the book. But just, like, I'd rather have the lore of the world than this one tiny lady hiding behind other ladies and being like, there's a traitor. Ah, tell him. <laughs> I have to warn them of the traitor that will reveal himself in 30 seconds. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. You can take that out. And that's the thing, too. There's no world building in this at all. No, it's just like no world it's a little yeah. claustrophobic. Like you don't really see Arakeen, which is the city. You don't really see like people other no. than you know the warriors, the, the and characters. The, yeah. yeah, but like it's one of those things where their version of world building is like maps exist. Be like, oh, cool. Can I see the maps? No, no, no. You just need to know that maps exist, and they will tell you the world, but you can't look at them. And we're not even going to point out anything else. We're just going to be they, like, they tried the it really early on. They show like that graphic with the four plans, yes. and like that's about it. We, yeah. When Paul yeah. sitting at his like you know Fisher Price computer, I did educational like uh, computer. He's just so studious. He's such he's a studious writer. With <laughs> that is like really extended. There's a lot cut from that where he's sitting there and there's just like hitting with like slides of like explaining all these different things mm -hmm. as well, which is not a real great way to to no. build. <laughs> but you <laughs> but could extend is. that more than just like, ah, the planets, Arrakis, it's a desert. They call it Dune. Okay, anyway, my dad's here. And <laughs> yeah. 
there's they're gonna teach me to sword fight it does it makes me wonder if there was concern and i could see there being legitimate concern you know how are we going to get an audience to you know understand what's going on and they decided to allay that concern by cutting anything that would be confusing and then being like we have to very explicitly hold your hand through the concept of a betrayal this is something that you've never seen in a film before yeah. so it's weird the things that they choose to focus on <sighs> but the wait I want to talk about costumes. I feel like amazing. Oh, the costumes are great. Fun, or at least Jessica does. I think the 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 Benny Gesserit costumes are. I I couldn't see how you can do a better adaptation than that. I think they're so good. I love all the royal family garb. Yeah, I love their like insignias, and I love the like upside down regular downside triangle (laughs) thing to. Based on what color you are, is you're either the dad or the kid. Or the, um, Rank dad. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I re- My favorite suit was like the We Recycle Your Poop suit. The, re- the still, the still suit. suits are amazing. Yeah, those are cool. But I love when they're like, oh, these are my most badass dudes. So we're just going to cover them in what looks like blood. And so like the top half is red. And then it slowly like drips into the black. Those are badass. And I want to see way more of those. And I would absolutely watch like a companion movie about the elite the guard of, yeah the elite guard of of paul and their badass suits like that was cool yeah i really like those a lot those those costumes in particular were a huge influence when tim burton was doing batman in 1989 mm. like they basically cribbed that whole design into i can see it like okay this is how we're gonna make this work yeah rather than a you know a gray turtleneck i yeah i like those a lot and what i thought was cool too is the point where they go to kill Max von Sydow, which again, he's a character that they're just like, okay, just send him out in the desert and we'll just assume that he's dead. But when they rip the suit open and you can kind of see the little tubes spurting water after they had explained earlier that like, this is what it does. It takes your sweat. It recycles the water, makes it palatable so you can survive out there. Like that was a cool explanation. And then a cool reveal of like, this is more than just the outer layer of the suit. There's actually wires and mechanisms in here. And like, it works the way we explained it to you earlier. I thought that was like a neat payoff. Yeah. To that explanation. But this, the, yeah, all the costumes were great. Except yeah. for the, the Baron, because he's just a creepy weirdo, and I don't he's like looking at Everything happening you, in that. that was the, the only thing is, and I, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but the hose going to the nose is explained for breathing. It's not. It's to catch more precipitation. Yeah. It's not. In in the movie, he's like, oh, it's, it's it's to help you breathe in the desert or whatever. It's simply to catch any any moisture coming out of your nose. Oh, well, they made it seem they're like, it's very important with this that you breathe out through your nose, so you implying to moisture. me, yeah, implying to me that it was about moisture catching. So okay, I got you. If they yeah. did say that, I was like, oh, okay, cool. They've been breathing no problem this whole time. Like, I don't think it's about breathing. Yeah, yeah, okay. And once you explain to me the, what the suit does, I just assume that like, oh, there's a ton of liquid up there that they could recycle. Right, right, right. So that was fine. Yeah. I, this, the Sudakar costumes are trash. The There's yeah, heavy bags. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I yeah, I don't I I don't understand. It's like Homer getting off work at the plutonium factory. The, the, like the Sardaukar, like the elite, uh, the soldiers that yeah for the, the emperor, yeah. which was a huge influence on Thrones, like with the Unsullied. I feel like it's like the, it's like a similar story, you know. It's like this elite training force. They come from their own like planet or country or whatever, and and. They're like raised from birth to be fighters, and so but but I don't know why they're dressed like uh, 
Missy what Elliot. was it? Missy Elliott. Missy Elliott, yeah. or in um, uh, or Among back, Us, or Among Us, or in Back to the Future, where he's like wearing the playing Van Halen for uh, yeah, or, or he's wearing oh, the Darth Vader like, from the planet. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, because they're supposed to be like elite fighters, and I, they're just like wearing hazmat suits. It's just yeah, they don't. Like, they're supposed yeah. to be super badass. Like, nope. like they're not at all. <laughs> nope. And they're well, like the first thing that you see that isn't. The space. I love the first reveal of like what the emperor's like planet area looks like, and it, you know you see all like the map paintings that go back forever of like ships and castles and all these things, and then it comes down and you see they're all leaving this like main ship, and then you get hefty bags and like small pl- plexiglass windows, and I'm like, oh, okay, oh boy, that's they run out of money. Well, I was worried like, oh man, here here we go. Like, is this what all? Thankfully, they we go into the emperor's room and everything is fine from that point. But I was like, oh shit, are we gonna? Is this really gonna look sweeted here? Like, is yeah, this yeah. just gonna look bargain store? You know, spirit Halloween version of Dune. <laughs> I think a big part of that is Lynch is like not an action director at all, and I and I, I think I can he, tell. Yeah, when he was supposed. <laughs> I mean, a big part of it, and, and I won't go too much into it. The the whole like weirding module where he's like, sh- it's like. It's like a gun type technology where you shout. Yeah. That's Lynch's way. The weirding way is supposed to just be like kind of like Kung Fu in a way, just like an, an elite fighting mm-hmm. way. And Lynch wanted nothing to do with like filming like elaborate fighting scenes. Yeah. So he just was like, I'm going to make it a gun and we're just going to be done with it. Okay. Because I had a lot of questions about that because it makes no, sometimes they fire bullets. Sometimes they don't. It's, it was weird that earlier in the film, they're like, oh, they have a secret new technique for fighting that uses sound that we don't know anything about, yeah. except every concept of it, that it's a secret fighting thing that uses sound. Like, you nailed it. I think you know more than you think you do. <laughs> but it was just like, oh, it's a gun. It's a voice activated gun. That's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so and I'm glad that that's yeah. not what it's supposed to be, because that lends potential for the next there's one. a couple of weapons used in this that they don't even mention by name that have pretty cool backstories that i won't get into well uh, is one of them the sandworm stick that you like you wrench the, the thumper the, you, oh. no not the thumper which i do like that is a cool little yeah. gadget to attract the worms away right. from you uh no that like the sticks that they all carry that he uses to like wedge into the sandworm and then rides it and oh no that's just that's just a hook or whatever Uh, that thing looked cool it is cool yeah yeah it has a specific name yeah but for spending so much time introducing another weapon that's not in the book they don't spend any time talking about like the other couple that are used in the book uh critical that opening scene in the emperor's throne room though with the the space pick i do love that scene that's my favorite scene um and it makes (laughs) it it makes me long to see what david lynch's return of the jedi would be like oh man dude like a david lynch java's palace sequence java's palace would be like two-thirds of the movie oh it'd be killer (laughs) basically just swap positions of the space pig and the emperor and you that's Jabba's yeah, yeah. Palace. Yeah. That's David Lynch's Jabba's Palace. <laughs> His Ewoks, out of control. Yeah. Right. Speak, uh, also speaking of fighting, Adam, how did you feel about the, the sparring action that we got between oh, yeah, you were... Gurney and well, Paul? With the, with the you didn't like the shields. <laughs> the shields are the stupidest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and I know... It's like Minecraft and beta. Dude. Here's, no, that's the thing. You, oh my god, it was so funny when you started laughing because you could since the three of us go like don't laugh at my yeah cake. exactly i was i was offended i said well i said a couple times it's not funny don't laugh 
That's, those are the shield. Those are Dude so important. important. They're not important because they're not. <laughs> do you know why they're not important? And I'm sorry because they don't appear at all the rest of the movie. There's other a than for that, oh, that okay. they don't explain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. The only, so it happens. All right, they plug in their little shields and they start to come up, and I'm like, okay, what are these like shields going to look like? And I'm I'm expecting not a physical You're shield. You're remembering that it's 1984, though. I am. And I like, and I totally get the 1984 aspect of it. This film actually reminds me in a lot of ways of the look of Tron. Yeah. In that it's very dark. When it needs to be light, there's light. But it's just kind of this dark, dingy... You know, you kind of see the matte painting, uh, like, edges to it a lot. So I got that vibe immediately. And that movie has terrible special effects. So, like, I get it. But it's so silly... You can't tell what's happening. There's like the big moment where he's like, aha, I got you with my knife in your throat. And he's like, but look down, I've got you with my knife in your groin. But like, you can't see the knives through the weird... Through the polygons? Yeah, through the weird... You can't see shit. Yeah, hexagonal bubbles or whatever. So you can't it tell looks what's like, going It looks on. like that mirror that used to hang over your fucking TV, the smoked yes. out mirror. Yeah, it looks you can't like... can't see shit through. <laughs> can't, you can't tell anything. It's basically like watching Transformers fight in like the first Transformers movie where it's just... It's just blobs smashing into one another. And you're like, all right, I guess the guy's winning. I want to win, I think. And the reason that they're not important is that they never come up ever again, except when Duncan dies by getting a thing through the shield. So like it doesn't do, it doesn't even do the one thing it's supposed to do, which is protect you. And I love Patrick Stewart's line of like, only the slow blade will pierce the shield. And then later, it's just that dart going very slowly through the yeah. shield and hits him in the head. And Paul's like, no, Duncan, stop. And I'm like, I don't care about that guy at all. I don't. Is he your uncle? Is he your best friend? Is he your, like, your boyfriend? Like, I don't get your relationship at all. You just, you were really happy to see him when you met up. And then he's like, happy to see you too, pal. I gotta go. And I'll catch you later. Oh, no, I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the shields are the most ridiculous thing in the whole movie. And, like, it doesn't ruin it for me or anything but that's the most ridiculous thing? yes okay because it was like a very clear it was meant to show that like paul is a capable fighter it's meant to show that like he's had this training his whole life you know he says the line of like but we just had shield practice this morning which is his yeah. i want to go to tashi station, station moment and then they're like no shield training now Aha! and then the shields are over and the shield never comes back into play throughout the rest of the movie for him at least like when we have that duel at the end with the knives, I'm like, oh, cool. Is he going to like throw a shield up at the last minute and block Sting from stabbing him? Nope. He just does a roll and stabs Sting in the neck, yeah. which I did like. <laughs> I thought that was fun. Yeah, I mean, in your defense, Adam, it's the most stark imagery in the entire movie because everything else is weird and has a flow of being weird. Exactly. It stands out. It stands that's out why it's the weirdest so thing much, yeah. Because like... The space pig, and I, I know I'm gonna. Yeah, you see the space pig like five times. You see, but like, like I get it. it his makes name sense. is Edric. Elena's okay. fetus sure. like five times. <laughs> yeah, and like that kind of fits in a world where there's giant space worms. Like okay, giant space pig, that makes sense to me. But weird hexagonal shield, you know, like you said, Minecraft fighting is yeah, <laughs> just a bridge too far. <laughs> this scenario. On the topic of fights, though, the one thing that I did consistently laugh at that I thought was really bad was all of the somersaults and flips every time an explosion happened near yeah, them. That's just Lynch not knowing what to do. Yeah, and like there's a couple of times where you can see it where a guy basically like touches a guy on the shoulder and you see what is very clearly like a gymnast or a Cirque du Soleil guy like <laughs> jump on a mini trampoline and do a somersault in the air while going, Ah. Yeah. Like and they're they're all at like a 45 degree angle, so they just fly off in yeah. one direction. Yeah, it's a little too wonky for me. It takes me out of any tension in those battles. 
which I feel like should be important. Part of that is the glossing over of any important details about house structure and all this, like the the throwaway line of like, oh, we told them not to have any sons because like we got to control these lines or whatever. But anyway, don't worry about that. It's not important. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel it's kind of important. Like lineages and stuff is pretty important in these. If you call it the house of whatever, I feel like lineage is a really big deal and shouldn't just be like, we told them not to do it, but they did it anyway. Anyway, moving on. It feels like an audiobook come to life, if that makes any sense. Like the amount of effort that's put into an audiobook to help you visualize what's going on. <laughs> that's what this is, yeah. visualized. Yeah. And then he did a trampoline somersault as an explosion happened nearby. <laughs> the weirding yeah, exactly. way. What did you think about Aaliyah, the little girl that with the uh, creepy voice? Um, the abomination. The yeah, Honeysuckle Lane. Yeah, I, I agree with that. She's an abomination. Uh, she's just <laughs> the voiceover doesn't match the girl's acting. Like, you there, there's a reason for that that they barely explained. Yeah, they barely explained that either. Oh, it's not. It wasn't just they wanted a well, more they, adult voice on a child they, actor. They kind of explain it. Um, <sighs> they. It's super quick. Well, the when she drinks the. The crazy drink. Who, the, Paul's mom? Correct, okay. yeah. And uh, she becomes the Reverend Mother. The baby essentially drinks it because she's drinking for two. And oh, for two. and that prompts the That awakens and... the child. And so she's what they call pre-born. Gotcha. She's born with the memories of every one in her family for like a million years. Yeah, gotcha. so yeah they her basically... mother becomes a yeah. Reverend Mother. She becomes one simultaneously. Yeah. As a... She's they say her something mother, like her she's far beyond her years or something like yeah. that. It was a very quick line and that's all they spent uh, on and it. And she cooks okay. everybody out. And yeah. So that's why she they, the they like dubbed her with like an older child that's girl's the thing. And the... voice than a two-year-old, three-year-old's voice. Yeah, and much like I lamented last week with Hocus Pocus is that like the dubbing of a person... With a voice that's clearly not theirs, just in both instances didn't sync up right. So I was just like, "Is this girl a bad actor and can't match the cadence, or did they just like film her and then in a booth had a random other person do it, and it just didn't work or sync up well because she's kind of like drooping her mouth, but the voice doesn't change, or she's looking away and like just somehow it didn't line up. So it really threw me for a loop, and I couldn't tell why they were doing it. But I, I mean, I guess that makes sense." It's just it was executed poorly. A lot of it was. Yeah. <laughs> and again, it was weird how she's just like standing there and he's like, all right, don't kill the guy yet. Okay, kill him now. Yeah. It's like, Baron, come here. Yeah. We got to get, we got to catch you in this worm. Like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he wasn't a very formidable villain. There aren't really any formidable villains in this, which is also a problem for a movie. Yeah, about... I mean, he, he's supposed to be. Formidable. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, like, like there's supposed to be really, really strong villains in all the entire movie. Yeah, because everyone they set up to be a villain is super lame, except for Sting, because he doesn't get the chance to be lame or be cool. He's he just, just is naked and then dead. Yeah, exactly. He's there cackling a little bit uh, and being like, "Ah, oh, this is crazy," because the doctor's working on uh, Harky's boils and being like, "I want to fix all your grossness." And then, and then, yeah, they just show up, and he's like, "He's a badass." Like, okay, can he do something badass? <laughs> like, no, he's but just trust me, he's a badass over there. And then he doesn't do anything until the fight at the end, which was thirty seconds, and which I'm fine with the length of that fight because he's cocky and Paul's like very subdued and almost like monk esque of just being like, "Okay, breathe. I'll yeah. let you fuck up. I'll let your you know hubris get to you." And then I'm going to jab you in the throat. And I really liked that, but it was 
the only moment of Sting doing anything of any relevance. And I feel like that that fight is so fatiguing at that point in the movie because like you just don't care about Fade at that point. He's not developed. You yeah. don't know what the stakes are really. It's not really laid out, and it's just like you know that Paul's gonna win the fight, and mm-hmm. it's just like why is this even? Why am I watching this right now? That's why I don't mind that it was short because yeah. I'm like, okay, Paul's gonna win. I don't need this to be a drag out. Anigo Montoya style fight or like Obi-Wan and Anakin at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Like I don't need this to be 10 minutes. It doesn't feel like a final boss battle at all. No, it's just a step to his ascendancy as like God basically in this universe. So I was fine with that. But like the Baron is laughably goofy and has no power or evilness to him. He's just like, I'm, I'm here to get you. Yeah, but he doesn't do anything. And then, like, the Emperor is just... You think that he's got this grand plan of, like, oh, I'm mixing the houses together, and I'm going to make them fight, and then we're going to make the kids get married or whatever. But he doesn't do anything. He's just like, oh, dispatch the people. I'm going to sit here in this chair, and then, oh, it all goes wrong. I'm still in this chair, and now I'm mad about it. And then the, the fat cousin or whatever just gets beheaded off screen. Which is, oh, Raven, yeah. Yeah, which is crazy, because, like, I thought he was, I thought he died out in the desert, because he was, like, walking out there while the group came through and said, Hava Nagila or whatever, and blew everybody up. Uh, and then, then there he was, beheaded, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So, like, it, it suffers for lack of actual bad guys, where I feel like this, a big space epic, like, this should have a... A bad guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not only are they, like, menacing in the book, but they're also, like, really smart, particularly the Baron. He's supposed to be, like, portrayed as, like, yeah, this, like, like, war genius, like, strategist, and his, you don't his, get that at all. His, like, plans in are, like, so convoluted and, and, and like... Over- Political in nature. Yeah, and, yeah. like, yeah, there's, like, all these different paths to it and different, like, layers of, of intention and, like, double cross and everything. And he's supposed to be, like, a brooding, like, genius that people can't figure out and are really intimidated by instead of just like a complete goofy like the penguin the mall santa in the off season (laughs) and you know the movie again coming back to the original was four hours and Mm -hmm. we get two hours and 17 minutes the movie suffers because you don't get every character that you meet in the dune universe has these different motivations, these different belief systems that are driving them, and sometimes they'll come together and work together, and then you'll realize they're coming to a cross point. So mm-hmm. you have people who are not explicit villains, but are doing villainous things, and vice versa. But you don't have time for all of them, and clearly the way this was shot was maybe they wanted to give that everyone that time, but now the whole plot is spread so thin across this one piece of bread we have to introduce everyone still everybody has to play their part but we're not actually going to get to know them so everybody becomes a plot device it's like and they're like most basic sketched out character it's almost like it sounds like the book is playing chess and the movie is playing checkers where they're just like okay move to this space and then move this space, I jumped you. Yeah. And then move to that space, but it's there's when, no rhyme or reason. It's when you to were it. really lonely and you pay, played checkers by yourself. Yeah. And just keep spinning yeah. the board. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like we're kind of shitting on this. So, I mean, for you at least, like, do you have like any like favorite characters? Any really favorite moments? Um, I feel like there are a couple of things that I enjoyed. At least for me, like the tooth thing, I think was was pretty cool. But yeah, yeah, the tooth thing was cool, especially because he like he was 
still kind of groggy from waking up from the drugs and thought the Baron was still there and ended up just killing the other bushy eyebrow dude. So I thought that was a cool, like, subversion of, oh, how is... He's got the guy, both guys in his face. How is he not going to kill right. this dude and take him off the table for the rest of the movie? Oh, okay, it's because he's groggy from the drugs. Like, that's a cool little, like, subverting my expectations a little bit. I like Paul. I think um, Kyle McLaughlin did a good job. I mean, I don't know to the book's characterization if it was a good job or not, but I liked his portrayal. I feel like I would have liked it more had some of the, like, dream stuff get fleshed out a little bit in terms of, like, what does that mean? Why is he having them? I think it's just because they can see the future, so he can too, but it only manifests in his dreams because he doesn't understand his powers. Like, that was kind of the vibe I got from it. I don't know how correct that is necessarily, but, you know, there's a lot of stuff where he, he has these actions and he has these thoughts, but it doesn't really get fleshed out in any way to why that is but i you know i liked his his character work the dad i thought was good for the limited screen time that he was there like it felt like he really was proud of paul because he's the best student and paul really did want to make him proud and in the their limited scenes together seemed to work really well uh i love the sequence where they first are going out on that tour of arrakis and the sandworm's going to eat the the mining machine and the mining picker upper isn't there so they're just like, all right, let's just land. Let's just get everybody on here. Like, we'll make sure the people are safe. We can replace the machinery. No problem. And I love how Max von Sydow is like, oh, shit, he cares about people. Like, yeah. all right, man, good for you. And that's like maybe one of the most like beat for beat like things they rip right from the pages. Like there's really not a lot different in that sequence beyond like some dialogue that's hmm. not there. And the, fa- and, and, and the fact that the Ornithopper doesn't look anything like described in the book whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> and Duke Leto's not hot enough, but that's a person. Yeah. <laughs> I, have, I, I could do like a whole ten minute rant Just so you know, like the, we'll the Ornithopper, the thing that flew out to there, is mm-hmm. supposed to be look, it's supposed to look like a dragonfly, essentially. And if you got that, then I certainly yeah, didn't, yeah, but it's just like a, it's just a, a box. A box. Did it, you see the David Lynch cameo? Yeah, he's the guy that they're like, you good? And he's like, um no who's who's talking to me what's who is this so yeah i did notice that was him uh it was fun seeing all the different people that I, again i only knew sting and kyle mclaughlin going in but it was nice to see max von sydow and patrick stewart patrick stewart uh sean young right is that her name the one from blade runner and ace ventura showing up i thought that was that was cool the principal from kindergarten cop she's always fun in her limited scenes uh, even though I said you could cut them, like it was nice. To, <laughs> it was nice to see time. her. Yeah, it's is not in Irulan. Is the is no what, oh. Virginia Madsen is Irulan. Uh, the housemaid or whatever. Oh, shadow mapes. Yeah, shadow mapes. I always love that name. <laughs> mapes. Yeah. Did you have a a favorite fun crazy phrase? I know you were letting them wash over you like rain, but is there one that you're like? The one, the ones that use that reg- regular English. Yeah, I, I liked his like his name that he came up with because it was the like the mouse hunt on the moon or whatever he said. Mm-hmm. Which again, there was a lot of talk of the second moon that never really mattered at all. I still, yeah, I don't. That's not really a thing. Aha, it stumped in, you. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's not really a thing in the book. I don't. It is okay. But we'll discuss yeah. it at a later date. You guys can talk about it in the car ride home. <laughs> yeah, why the moon is important, but like. They did an awful lot of moon talk, and it didn't. It didn't matter. But yeah, I like the uh, the hat rack one. I think that's a fun. I'm never gonna remember it, but I like hat rack. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I'm trying to think. I, I'm looking at like the the names of people, but none of them are nearly as. Fun. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I think because I was letting them wash over me. Uh, I do like that that Duncan's name is Duncan Idaho. 
Uh, I think that's just a weird thing for no reason. Yeah, after you meet, like, shout out Mapes. They uh, they they all fun Reverend yeah. Brother, yeah. Helen Gaius Mohayam. Then you have Duncan Idaho. Yeah. And Jessica. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the weird mix of, like, regular names and yeah. very Dunish names are a little jarring, but it does kind of help me. Like, it, it's weird that you have all the Reverend Five names and and then Paul, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, like it's fine. It's not a it's not a big deal to me because it as the main character it helps me connect to a guy named Paul versus a guy named whatever else. The same way that like the guy yeah. being named Luke is really easy to follow along with versus you know any other crazy named person versus Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah, or Dexter Jetster or something. You know, like something crazy Dexter out there. Jetster. <laughs> you know, um, so like that was that was okay. But yeah, I don't think I had a particular favorite like phrase or anything other than like you know paul's I mean, the big ones are like then. fear is the mind killer yeah uh the fighters one i forget what exactly that one yeah along with the fighters or what does he what does he say to them at the end i, I, I don't remember, remember. Oh. something about the fighters yeah fear is the mind killer stood out as being like this seems like this would be a pivotal tagline for this or like a takeaway but it it doesn't explain like where that saying comes from or why it seems important it's just like Here's the mind killer. I'm like, okay. It, it seems like it should have more weight than the movie gives it. No, you're right. I mean, because it's it's said quite a few times in the book. It just you're right. There isn't a scene that gives it weight to like like a revolutionary or revelatory way. Yeah, like I feel like the only really he says it when he's in the box where he's got hand in the box, and I'm like, okay, that's don't let fear get you. Okay, I get it. And then he says it when he's climbing the worm, but it I expected almost like an Uncle Ben dying style. Like this is. Like, fears the mind killer is your yeah. mantra. Here's why it killed your grandfather, it, or it killed your dad, or it killed somebody. But it's just this kind of like everyday, oh, fears the mind killer. You know, don't let, and don't let fear I mean, kill your the, mind. The genesis of it is escaping me right now. It's, can... it's, it's, it's the. A... Does it have weight? <laughs> Resist every Resist, urge. Resist, wait, resist it. I'll talk to you later yeah. about All right, it. I'll reframe it. Is is weight given to that in the book? Yes, yeah, it is. Okay, it perfect. is, but I just can't think of the exact genesis of gotcha. the first. Okay. I will, I will save that one for the next episode because I feel like if that is given weight in the book, and in my mind it feels like it should have weight, I will expect it to get that weight in the next one, hopefully. Right. And if not, you'll be able to talk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we may not be able to talk about stuff too because we're only seeing half of. I know you you've book. gone past what the new movie is going to be showing you. That's true, in, and we'll in get into my way. thoughts on that next week because I have some thoughts about the decision for that. But it, whatever, we'll get to it. But yeah, I, uh, it it was kind of a bummer because it seemed because it happens like at the climax when he's like, "All right, we're going to win this war. Fears the mind killer. Here we go." But it didn't mean anything to me as the audience in this particular movie and that was kind of a yeah. bummer because i wanted almost like a you know braveheart style moment of like there's the mind killer or whatever you know something that makes me care yeah, yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> that he's repeating this every time something scary happens yeah. wouldn't think about toto like you mentioned where there's just long stretches of no music it, i almost when i saw music by toto at the beginning i expected almost not a rock opera in terms of like music having a big impact but i expected it to be there and it's not really until like the credits roll at the end where i noticed any kind of like song yeah. or music or Honestly, anything i would love to see the soundtrack tr track list of this because it must be two tracks 
There's one by Brian and there's one by Toto, and they're just recycled for every other yeah, scene. Yeah, just like it doesn't seem like there's any variation. Of... It's like, yeah. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure there's like for the studio, they probably just threw a bunch of shit on there. But to yeah. my and ears, then... it sounded like they just used the same track for every single. And then just thumper noise. And then the thumper noise, which yeah. is which is the kick drum, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did enjoy it, and all the. I feel like the sound happening in this movie is good. Yeah, they but definitely, definitely Adam, you have a nice speaker. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah put this up to the They definitely remastered it for sure. Yeah, yeah. Lynch is, you know, he puts a lot of effort into like sound and atmosphere and stuff. There is 17 tracks <laughs> on the uh, track listing for the Dune soundtrack. And I had to make sure to specify 1984 so I didn't see the names of tracks mm-hmm. on the 2021 one, which could theoretically spoil the movie. But it's like main title, robot fight. Leto's theme, Robo- the box. Oh, yes, robot fight. Yeah, the robot fight comes right after the box fighting, where he trains with the weird yeah, Dalek I, they thing. Just edit that out. Well, that one, that one, I would rather have over the box because that one at least has the like the side level, mid torso level knives, which is important for him to know how to avoid in the fight with Sting because Sting has this. Yeah, secret. it shows that he's adept at fighting at the very yeah. least. Yeah. So I would take that scene over shields because the shields are not important. <laughs> but yeah, so box floating fat man trip to Arrakis prophecy theme. So Wait, one of them was called floating fat man. The floating fat man parentheses the Baron. Good trip to Arrakis first attack prophecy theme Dune desert theme Paul means Johnny Prelude. Wow, so you have a lot more choices to pick for the uh, the intermission music for the. Uh, oh, it's gonna be audience. it's gonna be yeah. Dune theme or or take my hand whatever the one during the credits is. I think oh, the credits is. Is really funny. Shit. You guys will have all heard this already, but we'll, you know, I'll pick yeah. it. We'll figure it out. Whichever one's the easiest to find online. Yeah. <laughs> I do like, and I don't know if we touched on it in the pre-show, but you had mentioned it just briefly of the previous attempts to make Dune, and one of them, the idea was to have Pink Floyd do the music, and yeah. I would love to see that and what they would do with it because that I feel like would give me more of that like rock opera feel to it of like. Here's Pink Floyd and all their wackiness lending to the other wackiness of this. I would very much like to see that. But yeah, Toto didn't really do anything for me. Right, right, right. Bridget, has this moved the needle for you at all? Um, we had a bit of a backslide. We had a bit of a backslide. Oh, really? So you, you yeah. enjoyed it even less this time around? Yeah. Is it because I laughed at the shields? <laughs> not <Really? funny. laughs> You're not enjoying the movie unless you laugh at the shields. Um. <laughs> Shows I'm paying attention. No, I just, I remember when I I watched it with you, Brian, that we both were like, that was okay. That was better than expected. And then I came in with higher expectations, probably than this movie deserved. And I started to have anxiety, Adam, that at a certain point you would be like, we don't need to do another Dune episode. I think I get it. No more Dune. Um, no, I mean, I don't think that was ever going to, no matter what this was, I don't think I would have gotten to that place. That would have been the equivalent of walking out in the middle of a movie. Yeah. Like. You're a trooper though. Like finishing this and then being like, no, not even the new Dune is, mm-hmm. was not going to be an option. Cause like, whatever, this could have. we bought the tickets already. <laughs> that. You know, but, Yeah. But this is also like, I know this wasn't well received. I know this wasn't necessarily a good adaptation of the book. I know that there's a lot on the cutting room floor and that it was originally way longer. Like, I know that this wasn't going to be what Dune people would call the ideal version to watch. 
as Brian even mentioned in the before show, like there is a fan edit which does more for the movie in terms of fleshing it out. Going in, I knew this could be the biggest steaming pile of crap. And I'd still want to see the new one, if only because I like that filmmaker and I like the things he does. Yeah. Um, and we'll obviously get into all of that on the next episode. So make sure that you're liked and subscribed and all that. But yeah, no, I was fine to finish it and do this part. <laughs> I of guess it. the important question is, are you more excited yes. to see the new one? Ooh, yes, okay, I cool, am. Because, cool. I, because I am a fan of the outline of this movie. Yeah. Like I mentioned that I don't really get into a lot of the other sci-fi properties that exist but i could see myself not necessarily reading the book but i could see myself being very into the denny villeneuve movie and hoping uh, being hopeful for sequels and things like that to flesh out this world because i like i like the idea of it it's just a really poor execution and it's not even i don't even think it's the filmmaker's fault i think it is just there was a good movie here somewhere and whoever chopped it to bits didn't find it whereas they're probably with the various scenes that existed or the scenes maybe they didn't film that were in the script there's probably a better patchwork version of this than yeah. uh, than what we got they put a quilt together but there's a lot of holes in it and it's not very warm whereas like you had all the fabric to start you just missed stuff and right. didn't put the puzzle together right so yeah i'm i'm very i'm much more excited i'm hoping that this doesn't impact my enjoyment of the next one. I'm hoping that if there's things in that movie that were played for suspenseful, that it's not ruined because I know that the, the doctor is the traitor, you know, like if, Mm -hmm. if that movie does a better job of setting that up as a suspenseful reveal, then I might be a little miffed that we saw this first. (laughs) Um, But again, it'll be fine. And I'm sure they won't play too much of that up because there are so many book fans and people who've seen this property before that they, I'm sure there'll be things that aren't in this movie that could be played for suspense or big reveals or moments that will still get me because I haven't read the book. And I've only seen this and just the theatrical version of it. I think it's on a technical level. You're just, it's going to be nice to see it through the lens of the new special effects, Mm -hmm. cinematography, the score. I think across the board, I don't think anyone's, I mean, Brian may walk away and say Brian, the Brian Enya score was Better than Hans Zimmer's spot. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll say I did listen to the to, to the score of the new movie already. Resist every instinct. <laughs> I know I've listened to Shut it a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> Don't hum the th- the theme at all. <laughs> Although I do really like it. I think it's like the end of the trailer, like that. Ah, and all of the new Dune material, and that sounds really cool. Yeah. When you hear that in the movie, so. So yeah, I mean, it's it's a bad movie, but there's so much in it that <laughs> has me excited for other dune adaptation that i can kind of forgive it as like a first attempt in the 80s very rarely are you going to knock it out of the park on something like this yeah especially in a time where everyone was chasing their star wars like there's a million things from that late 70s early 80s from every studio of being like this is going to be our star wars and none of them are good because they're just like throw it in space and make it and hopefully it turns into a franchise (laughs) I still feel like the best format to tell the story would be some kind of episodic yeah. show of some kind of like, like, kinda how, like the, yeah. uh, prestige television. Yeah. Like, how, like similar to like what sci-fi did, but even on like a grander scale, like how they treated game of Thrones. I, I, I'm looking forward to the, to the movie, but I think a long format 
is really the best way to tell the story or attempt to tell the story. Yeah. But we'll see. And that's the way with most yeah. books, too, is that... Yeah. Yeah. Well, a thing that takes you to yeah, hours I mean, the sci-fi read. series would say, well, I think like five or six hours, and you're going to get that between these two movies. They're both like yeah. two and a half hours or three hours each. So you're going to get your five to six hours of... This yeah, and you book. said the sci-fi series was multiple books Seven, being three books. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think the I'm excited for the next one. We'll obviously get into the breakdowns of what we think about the actors and, and Denny and all these different things and we'll we'll get all all that in next week. But I am excited for it and I'm not dreading seeing this story unfold and what hopefully will be a better executed movie. So you guys have not ruined a dune for me by showing me this. There's enough good takeaways. And I want to see what a 21st century space pig looks like. I hope we see it. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be in the movie. All right, then we're going to cancel your tickets. We're not going to I didn't around. see the casting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who does the voice of space pig? <laughs> Time travel anus. I need to see it. Time travel. Sands, I don't know. Well, anything else? Any final thoughts? I'm ready to hit the reset button myself on, right. on, on this. Adam, you want to take us away? Yeah. Uh, first, I want to apologize if I shit on this movie too much. <laughs> uh, it's very silly, but ultimately, I was glad to have everyone here for it. And Brian, I want to thank you for coming in again. I know we just had you here for Running Man, but I want to thank you for joining us once again on this Dune journey mm-hmm. through Dune on Arrakis, the sand planet, desert planet, Arrakis, Dune. Um, and excited to have you to watch the uh, the next iteration next week. So thanks for coming by and thanks for sticking That's around for that. Week, huh? But that will do it then for this week's episode of Fine I'll Watch It. Remember, you can find every episode of Fine I'll Watch It every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, and Spotify. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Broken Clock Pods. So let us know what you think of 1984's Dune. Are you excited for the next Dune? What do you hope that the new one takes from this old one? What do you want to see it kind of change or get rid of? Let us know on Facebook and Twitter at Broken Clock Pods. Uh, Please no spoilers, though. Uh, But once again, for fine, I'll watch it. My name is Adam. I'm Bridget. And I'm Johnny. And thanks so much for listening. (laughs) 